Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruski and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action and welcome to another week from COVID-19 Wisconsin and we're all still safely at home, uh, which means Claire Zauke is joining us, our Healthcare Director from her home. Claire, good to have you with us. Thank you, Matt. Good to be here. Yep. We're getting used to seeing Claire's kitchen and we're also getting used to seeing Robert's uh, bookshelf and uh, messages in the background. Robert Craig is with us. Robert is our executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert, good to have you. Good to be well and during the pandemic. So obviously we record Thursday morning, which means um, late yesterday, our Wisconsin Supreme Court basically uh, overturned Governor Evers' uh, safe at home order. We're going to spend a significant amount of time uh, discussing that and everything related to that. Um, and it's it's actually, it's a pretty, from a straight up legal standpoint, a very dark, dark day um, in terms of the opinion that came out of the Supreme Court. Um, we also are gonna talk about a number of other things uh, related to that. Um, it is worth pointing out, um, the unemployment numbers do come out every Thursday morning and another 3 million people filed claims last week. We're up to uh, 36.5 million since mid-March and that's about 22.4% of the March labor force. So there is real economic uh, uh, heart, heartbreak, heartache uh, that is uh, affecting our uh, a lot of our neighbors and our, our country. Uh, we had a new Marquette Law Poll, which has a number of uh, interesting information we'll continue to talk about, including around uh, the Governor Evers safe at home. Um, and we're going to talk more about um, uh, what we can be doing to expand access uh, to voting in a time of COVID uh, here in Wisconsin. But with that, I want us to go and focus on the decision that came down Wednesday afternoon, uh, where I, it was a four to three decision. Uh, again, our extraordinarily partisan Supreme Court ruled uh, in favor of the Republicans in the legislature and overturned Governor Evers' safer at home. And we've talked about this on previous weeks that there is very little uh, actual legal basis for this. This is uh, quite frankly, um, this is, uh, what would you call it, uh, a judicial activism at its finest on the conservative side. Uh, and I wanted to give each of you, Claire and Robert, an opportunity just to give us a couple minutes on your initial responses, and then we will start to get into after that, what do we do next and where do we go and what should progressives be doing? Claire, I'm going to kick it to you first just to get your initial thoughts on um, uh, the decision by the Supreme Court. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, I, I think you kicked off this conversation well um, by saying that uh, you, this is really a decision that um, uh, is clearly uh, motivated by things other than interpreting the law. And I think what's really interested in, or what's really interesting and demonstrates that point um, clearly is the fact that we have. Um, a conservative judge and a liberal judge making decision, a decision on the same side, saying very similar things in their written dissents. Um, and I can prove that to you because I have them up side by side. And so I'm going to read just a quote real quick from um, Justice um, Dallet, who is the more uh, liberal judge uh, from the Milwaukee area, um, and um, Justice Hagedorn, the more conservative judge's um, uh, statements in their defense. So Dallet says, 
quote, a majority of this court falls hook, line, and sinker for the legislature's tactic to rewrite a duly enacted statute through litigation rather than legislation. Rather than examine the plain language of the statute, the majority engages in analytical gymnastics to arrive at a desired conclusion. I just love that phrase, analytical gymnastics. So, and Hagedorn's dissent says that in striking, quote, in striking down most of Order 28, this court has strayed from its charge and turned this case into something quite different than the one brought to us. To make matters worse, it has failed to provide almost any guidance for what the relevant law means and how our state has to govern through this crisis moving forward. The legislature may have buyer's remorse for the breadth of discretion it gave to DHS in statute, but those laws are laws as drafted, and we must read them faithfully, whether we like them or not, to be sure this leaves much unanswered. So clearly, you have a, a liberal and a conservative judge saying basically the same thing, that the law is the law, and the legislature is trying to get around the laws that they created to take more power for themselves. And, and, and I think that that shows the strength of the true legal argument. Robert. So there's not much more to be said about the legal basis for this decision. It's very telling that Justice Hagedorn did not side with them. And so at least there's one constitutional conservative on the court. We will not like Justice Hagedorn when he refuses to adapt the law to new circumstances, which is necessary. But he is at least given credit, and he also did it on voter purging, willing to read the law as written, which is what we were promised when people as conservatives run for the Supreme Court. Just remember that Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce uh, elected this court for the purpose of always siding with big corporations against average people, and they made sure they ran people who would always side with them. And so they put politicians in robes. It's embarrassing. Uh, but it's dangerous, and no guidance has been provided, and we don't know for the next pandemic what a governor can and can't do, as was, as Claire pointed out in reading the dissents. The other thing is the way this was conducted, right? The oral arguments divided the state. I think doubtless reduced support for social distancing because you had a chief justice using talk radio or Fox News-like arguments and using dog whistle politics, talking about people in meatpacking plants and brown kite not being regular people. Well, what are they, right? Uh, which is a way of dividing and holding power and completely unjudicial. So I think if in a way, in a lot of ways, Justice Dallin is being too generous. It's not judicial gymnastics. It's not judicial at all. And furthermore, uh, it has created a dangerous situation. And I And in two different ways, we've lost our most immediate, most effective way to slow the spread of the virus. And we have reduced social solidarity. And remember, in all laws, mostly enforcement has to do with people following a norm. If you break down the norm and tell one side it's not a big deal, then you literally reduce uh, adherence, no matter what anyone else says, and including with local ordinances. And so this puts it back on the legislature. And the legislature, I think, to quote, quote Nasop's fable, may really be careful, uh, rue the day, be careful what you wish for, right? You're wish, you've now wished responsibility upon yourself. So you may be having Zoom drinks about your great victory and pulling back Governor Evers' power, but now it's on you. 
Robert, you mentioned um, how this is really uh, broken down a lot of support for the social distancing. Uh, we can just say uh, there were lots of images uh, yesterday of bars opening around the state and uh, people absolutely not following social distancing guidelines. And by the way, one of the jokes of all this is uh, the Tavern League was very quickly to get out and just basically tell everyone, open up the doors. But oh, by the way, follow the WEDEC guidelines and CDC guidelines, which by the way, talk about social distancing and all this stuff in none of these bars that there were and there was no social distancing going on, right? So, like, they were immediately not even following <laughs> the very weak rules that were set out uh, uh, by by WEDAC and the Tavern League. But point being, uh, the Marquette poll also demonstrated uh, that this had become very political. We had seen support for Evers fall while there's still almost 70% support in the Marquette poll that came out this week for Evers safe at home. Uh, you could start to see the partisanizing of this in terms of what the Republicans have been doing is starting to take effect. And this decision will only further increase that. I think you will continue to see a majority of uh, uh, Wisconsinite support being smart and trying to follow uh, medical professionals. But you're absolutely right. This decision will continue to partisanize this, will continue uh, to break down people following smart public health uh, uh, officials. Uh, but with that, you do want to start to look at how, how people are responding. And we're going to have to take a break. But when we get back, uh, before we go to break, I want to at least lay this out. But when we get back, I do want to start to talk about uh, what was the immediate response of a lot of uh, local public health officials to make sure that we're still continuing to protect people um, and, and, and enacting their own, making sure that they're that uh, in their own areas that we still were having uh, social distancing uh, being enforced. Um, and also, we'll, so we'll, we'll talk a lot more about that. And we're also going to talk more about what the state legislature ought to be doing, because the fact is, this kicks it back to the legislature and the governor. If we're going to have any policies, and Hagedorn accurately pointed out, this thing gives us no guidance in the future as to who would be in charge of this. And it lays bare now that the Republicans have no plan. Uh, we need to put pressure on the legislature uh, uh, to 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 do the right thing uh, immediately and put in some smart procedures. Uh, and we're going to talk more about what some of those should be after the break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin, which appears to be uh, a more appropriate title than ever here in Wisconsin. Uh, and we are Citizen Action. We will be back right after this break. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We are responding to the terrible Supreme Court decision uh, to basically strike down Tony Evers' safe-at-home orders. And immediately, a lot of local municipalities uh, responded uh, by trying to uh, make sure that uh, they were continuing uh, similar orders in their own uh, municipalities and regions. Claire, let's talk a little bit more about that. Uh, uh, since the state is going to, it has nothing now and not leading, a number of municipalities have stepped up. Yeah, it's really good to see local officials across the state jump into immediate action, aware that they have um, the authority 
in their in their own municipalities and counties, um, depending on, on whether it's a municipality or a county. Um, in, in that instance, it has the authority to have from the state to have a public health department that can um, implement um, similar um, a safer at home orders as as to what the the state's um, health department can. Um, so it's, it's really good to see those local officials knowing that they have that authority and, and jumping into action right away. Um, there are some places in the state, like uh, in Milwaukee, for example, where there was already a safer at home order in place um, that closed restaurants. Um, Milwaukee did that before St. Patrick's Day, um, which was really important um, back in March. Um, that was before the state issued their safer at home order. Um, so, so that continues to, to exist, but then there are places around the state where local officials hadn't gotten around yet to creating their own um, orders before um, the state and the governor took action. Um, and it was really good to see um, last night um, folks clearly having been prepared and expecting this decision, um, implementing their own courses of action. So a lot of places around the state have done that already. Um, I know that Green Bay um, and Brown County have done that, which is super important. Um, they have been struggling, as we know, in recent uh, weeks with um, having outbreaks of the virus um, in that area. Um, the same goes for Racine, um, Dane County. It's, it's just, I, I'm really glad that there is clearly a, um, th that we clearly have good public officials in a lot of places, uh, local officials around the state who are taking this seriously. Um, I hope that the law enforcement um, officials in those areas are going to support the orders that their public health officials and executives have put in place. That's going to be critical, um, not, not just for arresting folks, but for ensuring that, you know, restaurants and bars that are supposed to maintain um, um, closures and whatnot um, actually actually do that, but I, I know that um, you know that this is this, this is a stopgap, right? I mean, this is this is not the ideal situation. Ideally, the legislature would would back up the safer at home order, and, and ideally, the legislature would take this responsibility that the court gave to them um, more seriously, um, and that local officials um, will not have this entire burden fall on their heads. But I know that Robert wants to talk more about how the legislature should behave, so I'm going to kick it to him. Yeah, following up on what Claire just said, let's not kid ourselves that local governments can fill the breach. Uh, first of all, we haven't been around with a police force enforcing this, and uh, what the legislature and the Supreme Court have done have making created a partisan divide, and. By the way, police officers are predominantly Republican, just saying, in most places, not all of them, but a lot of them. So I don't think we can count on that. I know Stanny's a bar near our office, already thinks, according to public statements, he gets three open right away. So I don't know if Milwaukee police will be going and shutting them down or not. We'll, we'll see, right? Uh, but here's the thing, right? The legislature has taken the responsibility it, wa it says it wants to be the leader, although it doesn't have a plan. So he, now it's on them, okay? And when there isn't leadership, it devolves to other levels. So in other words, city leaders, health departments can lead, as Claire is pointing out. We can lead. We need to come together in a viable social movement to force leadership upon the people who actually hold elected office, including the legislature. And so we do need to focus on the legislature and be aware the legislature probably will want to preempt all these local rules. 
uh, or there'll be suits about them as well. Watch, you watch with this Supreme Court. So let's get all, let's try to get them enforced. Let's get them on the books wherever we can. But the next big fight is the legislature. And here's the thing, right? By ending social distancing two weeks early, the progress we have made under social distancing at great sacrifice, great expense, and mostly by the voluntary action of Wisconsinites, as Governor Reeves is pointing out, is all at risk, and it means we need to do the other things more. So now we need to do a lot more testing than before. And we still we had ramped up to Governor Reeves' credit, but still wasn't to where we needed to be even without doing this and without destroying the social solidarity needed for people to observe social distancing, which has happened because of this partisan action. And so there's that. Then there's much more contract tracing. The governor has a goal of, of having a thousand. I don't think we're close to that yet. Uh, it's not happening in a lot of places. What we can press reports in any consistent way, and you have to have that in order to localize where outbreaks are and shut them down immediately because you have to know where they are. And you have to otherwise you actually end up having to uh, pre close again at even greater damage uh, or just have an outrageous death toll. And here's the thing we know that this that there's one piece of data that we haven't talked nearly enough about as a community, not here, and that is the reproduction rate. Experts think that you need a 1% reproduction rate to slow down a pandemic, any communicable disease. And if it gets even to 1.1 or 1.2, it eventually, within a couple months or shorter, spins out of control. So Germany literally is set up where if they go to 1.1, Angela Merkel, their chancellor, will start moving up targeted social distancing, maybe complete again. And so we need to be able to do that, and we don't have the capacity right now. And that's going to take money, and that takes the legislature. So the legislature is now responsible, and we're, we're going to get to, we need free testing and treatment, or we'll never get the level of testing and treatment we need in order to control the virus. That fits into yes. this as well. Look, so this is up. This is the next wave here. This is the next frontier of what we have to be all about, and particularly the next week, uh, as the legislature uh, hopefully will will take this up. And we need to be calling and putting pressure on our state legislators, particularly Republican ones, because this could become the defining issue, one of the defining issues in the election. They now have control of how we're going forward with this pandemic, and they need to act. And if they think they're going to be, as they are, opening up our economy, if we do not have free testing, free treatment, and start making sure people have access to health care, we're kidding ourselves. This, this economy will never open up. People will never be safe. And so it's absolutely critical that they uh, start to get serious about free treatment and testing. And I can just tell you my personal story. I know Claire and Robert probably already know this, but my son was taken in for uh, a COVID-19 test a couple of weeks back. And this week we received a $1,200 bill for a COVID test. Now I've been informed that it might have been a coding error, but nonetheless, I have to go back uh, today and contact the hospital and uh, go through this whole process, right? And so you know that there are tons of other people who are making the same kind of disturbing calculations about testing. And we haven't even begun to talk about the treatment if you actually are sick. And so until we uh, do that, we're going to continue to be like 
uh, making this worse. And so that is what we're so, the next Vanguard. So you know, here. Matt, real quick, uh, I don't want to step on Claire's time, but Kaiser Health News is saying that insurance companies are deliberately limiting the codes dramatically so they can charge people. And the only way to get after that is incredible enforcement. There is now a federal and a state law on free testing. And these jackals, because they are that's what happens with an insurance-based private system with big for-profit corporations, still feel free to send you the $1,200 bill. Uh, and so then, and believe me, if they're doing it to you, they're doing it to most people. They're finding a way to charge people, and they know that 90% won't have the time or the wherewithal to figure out how to challenge them. And they certainly don't know what the Office of the Commissioner of Insurance is in Wisconsin, how to file a complaint. Uh, for example, because that's not public, known public knowledge for most people. So listen, folks, uh, we're going to have to go to break here in a minute. But before we go, I want to underscore this. It is very important. I think we need to be calling your state legislators. Feel free to also call the governor's office and say, hey, we, we're, we we got your back. We need to have free treatment and testing. We need to make sure that, uh, th- that this is going to happen. And by the way, right, like, this, of course, exposes the idea that we ought to accept the, the Badger Care money and make sure more people have access to, uh, to, to health care. Otherwise, you know, this is just simply not going to work. We're going to talk more when we come back. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. So we, before we uh, move off of what's been going on with this Supreme Court decision, um, Robert, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit more about really um, the state legislature and what we need to be doing. And we do have a platform around what ought to be happening. And it is now more than ever in this next week or so critical uh, that we push this. Robert? Yeah, I want to say at the top, because, you know, we certainly do uh, say on this show when we disagree with Governor Evers that I'm proud of the way he has performed. He knew where this legislature was. He took the bold action that was in the law. He knew what the Supreme Court might do. He actually set it up so he could extend it at a time so it would take them as long as possible to do what they were going to do potentially. And he was very strong in response. I was very proud of the way he went on MSNBC prime time and said this is chaos and Wisconsin's the wild, wild west now because of this decision. And the decision has no basis in law. He didn't kind of softly say he's disappointed and mumble it like sometimes he is. Sometimes he's looked so dumbfounded by that the actions of Boston Fitzgerald uh, that he that he hasn't given a sharp response back to what they were doing to him and to the state. And this time he, he really did. I think he needs to stay strong. I don't think I think he can't learn from this that he needs to have a bad compromise. And one example of a bad compromise would be inadequate social distancing provisions combined with a preemption of local authority to do it which isn't probably the next thing the WMC will want. And remember, the WMC, the State Chamber of Commerce, is behind creating the Supreme Court, is the real power behind Foss and Fitzgerald. So all of our friends, social media like to attack Foss and Fitzgerald like pinatas. They are straw men. They are the, they're front men for the real power. 
And WMC has a plan they want to implement, which has all sorts of nice sounding slides about uh, businesses taking care of everything and have no requirements. And so you think the, the meatpacking companies are going to effectively follow the slide recommendations? No. And Robert, so it's a joke. Or uh, Robert, they get taverns. Right. Look at the taverns, right? Like yes. last night, their, their own press release said, please follow the yes. WDAC and the guidelines. And then you have news stories. Literally, I'm watching the news yes. last night, and they're in these taverns where nobody is following it. And it's it's absurd. Of course, it's not going to happen unless it's so there's real. We'll be clear on the platform. We need a massive increase in testing beyond the progress we've made. You know, we are, our positive test ratio has gone way down, but it will go up again if we're not careful and because of the sacrifices we've made, because of Governor Evers and all of the voluntary sacrifices most Wisconsinites have made during social distancing. Disproportionately made, by the way, because lower income workers without, um, who can't work remotely and without paid sick days have paid a much higher price than more privileged workers. When we don't, we're not owning that enough either. Because I'm sick of people whining they can't go to the mall. I'm a lot more concerned about people who are can't can't meet basic needs because they they lost the job, the only job they're keeping their family afloat with, and they can't work remotely, right? And they tend to be lower income people and tend more often to be people of color. Not not entirely in this state. A lot of working class white folks do, but it is very unequal. And so we have to hold them responsible to test that includes all the asymptomatic people. Because they are, they spread it the most, and it's even more than 25%, the health experts now think. And that means not just doing it for symptoms. That means no barriers, including no fees, no costs, and no cost for treatment. Because if you're afraid you'll be bankrupted by the treatment, you'll avoid the test. So free testing, free treatment. And since people have, have pre-existing conditions interacting with COVID-19, it has to be everything that follows from a positive test, okay, and guaranteed and enforced. Uh, but then we need massive contract tracing, whole new workforce to do it, and the workforce to do real surveillance and the power to shut down anything that becomes a hotspot. Because remember, uh, our alleged state Supreme Court justice, the politician and robe in chief, uh, said that at claimed that there's not a problem in the Green Bay area because the meatpacking plants are not regular people. Well, those immigrant workers live in the community, and it's a, and even if you don't care about them, and you should, they're human beings, right, and they're supposedly essential workers, according to President Trump, it will infect the rest of the community. So in a pandemic, we're all in this together, and leaving anyone out actually risks everyone. And that's a progressive value that WMC and Robin Voss and Scott Fitzgerald and the rest of them and, and, and the state Supreme Court majority refuse to recognize because it's against their values. Their value is everyone for themselves and the strongest people get the, get the, the majority of the rewards based on power and privilege. So I want to underscore uh, your comments on uh, Governor Evers and your request or desire of him to stay strong, especially in discussions with the legislature about going forward. Uh, the latest Marquette poll, while we have seen some slippage in the overall support, because uh, it was uh, astronomically high in the 80s, it's now down to 69, so essentially 70%. It's still significant support. So he goes into these discussions from a place of power politically in terms of the public is with him. The public wants 
what Robert just laid out, we all know and are terrified. It is why there were lines for free testing this week. And so we need to start to uh, talk about that uh, two more. But I also want to dive in a little bit on the Marquette poll because the Marquette poll now has been coming out monthly um, and providing uh, a lot of very interesting information. Uh, but one of the other pieces is it always does a presidential poll number. And we essentially now are within the margin of error where we are in a dead heat for the presidential uh, between President Trump and Joe Biden. Claire, your thoughts, and then Robert, like to get your thoughts on that and any other amazing aspects uh, uh, out of the Marquette poll. Sure. Um, I'll start with the the COVID-19 response, um, and then I'll move on to the presidential. So I, I also was looking over the poll and um, saw the similar trend to you, where there's still a majority of folks who think that Evers is handling the um, COVID-19 response appropriately um, and support things like school and um, restaurant closures, um, but that that split or that divide um, of people who do and do not support is now falling um, much more strongly along partisan lines and that there is, you know, significantly decreased support amongst Republicans in particular for that. But what I thought was super interesting is that when when this poll or, or the same questions were asked back in, in March, um, there they also asked how long do you think it'll take before this gets under control? And um, the majority of, of the, the large majority of folks, something like two thirds of folks back in March thought um, that, you know, 44 percent said this will be under control by May, another 27 percent by the end of August, 11 um, percent by the fall. And it was single digits percent of folks who thought that it would take longer than a few months to get this under control. And now in this poll that was issued um, last week and the results just came out, um, it is pretty much evenly evenly spread between 10 and uh, 25% of folks who think that um, this will take longer than May, August, the fall, a year from now, or more than a year from now, right? So I think that this shows that people are just starting to realize how serious this is, and there's a huge amount of uncertainty amongst the general population about how long it'll take to get this under control. Um, and I, and so I would say that, like, that level of um, sort of scary um, and uncertainty, I, I would imagine, plays into why some folks are starting to feel like I need to be able to live um, what I view to be sort of a normal life, because thinking about, you know, living under uh, restrictions for for longer than the fall um, or August could be scary for some folks. Um, so what I what I take what heartens me out of that is that I think people are realizing how um, serious this is and and realizing that um, that that we are going to need to stick together and, uh, and and like fight this together for a long time. Um, so I I really. I, I hope that that to me that's heartening, right? Is that like people are realizing how serious this is, and we'll and we'll work together. Um, and then about the presidential poll, um, I, what's interesting is that Joe Biden and Donald Trump are in, in sort of like a relative dead dead heat um, when it comes to 
um, um, this this latest poll, but that um, Biden is ahead for folks under 39 years old and above 55 years old, that it's sort of like this middle-aged group of folks that Donald Trump is ahead in. And I thought that was a really interesting split because we don't always see that. We don't always see people under the age of 40 and people over the age of 55 being being so clearly united. And with that, we're going to take a quick break because we got to take one here at the Battleground Wisconsin. But when we get back, Robert, we'll come back to you for your thoughts on the Marquette poll. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are talking about the latest Marquette poll. Robert, we were just about to go to you for your thoughts before the break. Uh, In particular, both about anything related to uh, Governor Evers and also uh, the latest uh, presidential numbers. Yeah, so I won't, I'll try not to cover the ground Claire just covered very, very well on the poll. Uh, It shows that uh, Governor Evers is very popular in terms of his response. By the way, it's not quite as popular as some of the other states. So, and almost everyone other than Donald Trump is getting any leader who is leading is getting a big bump on this. So you should not get excited and think that God, that therefore 60% will vote for governor Evers to be reelected, but it is a good sign that people are, are, are behind him. People do rally around in a crisis, but there are danger signs in this poll. Uh, Wisconsin is the battleground of battleground state. Still it's the margin of error between Trump and Biden, which is not the case in places like, Michigan and Pennsylvania, quite frankly, and he, and Trump is even losing in Florida and Texas, two states that are considered harder. And the state that the it actually has a lot of signs if you read closely the poll that partisanship is trusting all trumping everything. Uh, that is to say, that the way people see everything is based on what team they're on, and as a result, you have a substantial chunk of people who think the economy is getting better right now. And when Charles Franklin was pressed on how that could be on Twitter, that's the the, the lead pollster uh, for Marquette University Law Poll, he said, if you dig into it, it's because they're partisan Republicans who are with Trump, and they think that that's what you should say if you're for Trump. So everything is filtered through that, right? And you, I think that Claire's right that there's growing awakening about how serious the pandemic is, but there's still a gap in this poll between how serious it really is and uh, what people, what folks are saying. Okay. And so, and that's, that's driving some of this stuff. And those folks who will go to a bar without a face mask and sit together are people who don't understand what the science says. And the problem is people are seeing two different movies and two different movie theaters. And then the movie theater, the audience for battleground Wisconsin is not sitting in, uh, in that movie theater, Anthony Fauci, our leading uh, expert in the country, is uh, making some power grab to become president and displace our duly elected president. So that's so that's the kind of filter that's happening over there. And social distancing is a liberal plot in order to uh, suppress liberty and freedom. And Donald Trump's uh, liberating states. And he, of course, has applauded uh, what happened in Wisconsin already is some sort of act, a uh, great, great strike for liberty and justice in the American way. So just so you know, the other movie theater is not like the movie we're all seeing. Uh, totally agree. I believe they're 
number one scientist is Tucker Carlson as the uh, top reigning scientist over on their team. Um, one thing, though, that I will say before to wrap up, um, a lot of the polling, whether it's the Marquette poll or other in-state polling uh, and national polling that I've seen, there is one very underlying positive thing uh, that we as progressives ought to like to see, and that is uh, independents are still generally with us on a lot of these issues, whether it be how to, you know, the idea that science matters. And, and I think in general, the response to COVID, you see that the independents are still uh, not wildly breaking away from Evers and other things, whereas a lot of this is you're seeing on the Republicans. You're also still seeing a huge gender gap nationally and in the state in terms of uh, Democrats versus Republicans that is still very damaging uh, in that it particularly among independents um, and these, these polls continue, continue to have that. So Robert. Yeah. One other thing is this relates to the poll and the Evers, you know, on our side, facts matter. Right. And so we have Trump, but what authoritarians do is they ultimately change the facts. And so Trump is currently trying to change the way the CDC measures deaths when, in fact, we, uh, yeah, including experts, including Anthony Fauci, say it's probably underreported as much as 50 percent how many people are being killed by the virus. And we have to be careful. Governor Evers still has the power to report accurately what's happening in the state of Wisconsin. But even more than before, I think he needs to give the bad news. In other words, I think, like a lot of politicians, he's been tempted to show the good statistics and say, look, we're winning and give people a sense of overconfidence. I think given that the legislature has now taken responsibility, be careful what you ask for, right, that the public needs to know how well it's going in the unvarnished truth. And he controls the governor, the executive agencies. He can still do that uh, without the legislature. With that, we are going to change topics. We want to talk a little bit about the special election that was held this week in uh, Congressional District 7, which is essentially uh, northwestern Wisconsin. If you were to take the Wausau area up through central Wisconsin and essentially go north and head all the way up uh, to the uh, UP border, uh, you get a very large district and also a district that is uh, been gerrymandered. Uh, it used to be David Obie's seat, but it has not at all been very favorable to Democrats. In fact, the last uh, two congressional runs, uh, Sean Duffy won by uh, 22 and 23 points. Trump carried the district in 2016 by 20 points. Uh, so this week, Trisha Zunker getting within 14 points, I think, is a pretty dang good performance, especially given she was radically outspent. She was outspent two to one on the campaign side and on the independent side. It was about 20 to one, uh, almost two million to, oh, maybe a, around one hundred thousand dollars. So. Uh, Trisha did an amazing job, and I just want to remind everybody she is a member of the uh, North Central Co-op, a founding member, and someone who's been very active. And we just really, really want to thank her for for running and talking about really important issues and being a leader. And she'll continue to be an amazing leader. She's still the president of the school board there. And by the way, I believe is still planning to run again uh, and keep Tom Tiffany's feet to the fire uh, since that section, that uh, seat will have a election again uh, this fall. I just want to give Claire Robert any thoughts you might have about uh, that, that race. 
Um, I'll pitch it to, to Robert after making just a couple high-level comments, which is it's always really hard to put yourself out there to run for office. Um, and I, I just give major props for um, anyone who is willing to take on um, that level of a public role. Um, I mean, we have seen, especially in such a hyper-partisan um, district and in a special election where your election was the only one going on. And so all of the, you know, negative independent expenditures from, you know, conservative uh, special interest groups were going to be pouring into the district focused exclusively on you because there's nothing else going on around the state or around the country at that time. I mean, that is that was a, a real um, commitment uh, that took uh, a lot of strength. Um, and a lot of bravery to step up and do. So she she has uh, my my respect for putting herself out there like that. Um, and I, I think it shows why it's important to run strong candidates in very challenging races because we cannot just be willing to cede um, to cede power without uh, a fight um, to the other side when our when our cause is so strong. Robert. Yeah. So I think that. Matt in here uh, talked about the barriers she faced into the gerrymandering. And Claire, you mentioned the money. I mean, when you add them up, right? Citizen Action was the leading independent spender on Trish Sunker's side, and we're not a big spending group. Uh, Matt has, to, I'm sure, probably may have to do final reports. So it's more in the fifty thousand range. There were m- millions spent by the Koch brother groups, by the industry groups, by the whole right-wing establishment. So you have a district that's gerrymandered, then you have that huge spending differential. And so she did incredibly well, given that. And so she needs to keep running for that and other offices. I was very impressed. And I think we on the Democratic side need to do something that the Republicans actually do better. And that is honoring the folks who fight the good fight for the movement. Our side, the kind of culture of democratic politics is if you lose, oh, well, you're the loser, right? And if you win, then you're on our team. And and there's even like a kind of uh, uh, dissing, in my opinion, of a lot of candidates who have no chance of winning, but who are doing something for us. They're making door contacts and helping the whole ticket by having those conversations and having active campaigns. And so I think Tricia has a future, but either she didn't. Uh, any candidate who helps overall move a message, engage voters, talk to them for real about issues, is helping the movement and is part of the team and is part of and deserves our honor and respect. And then all the volunteers deserve it too. I don't want any of the many citizen action volunteers who took action to feel we lost. I'm disappointed. I'm depressed now. No, we need to lose a lot to win. And think about the far right. The Goldwater election was a complete disaster for them. And quite frankly, and they, and they kept coming back from that. And quite frankly, uh, they may get destroyed in the Trump election, have a decisive defeat. That's what we're all working for. But they won't just say, throw their hands up. They'll come back fighting harder. You watch. And we need to do the same in every one of these races. Well... With that, we have got to wrap up this Battleground podcast. Before we go, though, I do want to uh, let folks know we are going to have a conversation, hopefully next week, about uh, the efforts we need to have in all of our municipalities to try to see if we can expand options for folks to vote this fall, Uh, because 
we're going to need it. This time of COVID is going to continue to exist and we ought to expand options for voting. So we'll try to hopefully talk more about that next week, but we got to wrap this show up. I want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge, who makes it happen every week. And it's uh, more challenging now than ever from home. Thank you, Brian. And we want to thank our listeners. We'll see y'all next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin.